everybody, this is Mark Vines, and welcome to The Mark Vines Show, and this is your one-stop shop for everything having to do with conservatism, the Constitution, freedom, liberty, and just frankly, the best way to live your life. Let's just put it that way. And I am so excited to uh, have a gentleman on the show today as a guest, James Miles. And yeah, I'm really excited uh, to talk to this guy because he is running for Congress in the district in which I live. And that's the 11th Congressional District here in Northern Virginia. Northern Virginia, those of you that know Virginia know that this is deep blue territory uh, we now have a Republican governor and uh, House of Delegates here in Virginia, which is, you know, really just, I, I, it, I'm just pinching myself seeing how fate has taken the nation and in, in turning this state, which was very conservative but years ago, went blue and now is back to becoming a, a red state. And, you know, the one holdout is Northern Virginia. And so this is going to be a very, very tough race, but it's a very important race. And I think that it's going to be very Oh, should I say, showing the direction of of the country uh, if we get our candidates up here on the northern side of the state into office. But real excited. I actually met Jim at a a class, a debate class, probably a couple months ago. I think it's been now. And there was a gentleman there saying that he was running for Congress. But at the time, uh, this would have been pre-primary. And uh, after I met him, I learned that he won the the primary. And so now he is the Republican candidate and looking forward to November. And I just think he's a very exciting guy, very interesting background, uh, solid candidate. And I think that this is just uh, going to be an opportunity for you all to meet him today and get to know a little bit more about James. And we're I plan on having a lot more conversations with him as we get closer to the election, but it's very, very exciting. And uh, I'm very, very excited that you're on the show. And so with that, James Miles, welcome to the show. Hi. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for having me on your show. Very excited about uh, everything that's happened and, and the, the, hopefully the new direction we can take our country. So uh, we'll all do it together. So I spoke to you the other day, and you're a retired guy. You're a retired federal judge, and you were an Air Force pilot, and you've had some other things in your career. And I know when we talked, and, and I can relate to this, and for, you know, for you, the listeners, if you don't know, James and I both retired. I retired from the FBI, and, and then he retired. And, you know, we both thought that we'd sit around, play golf, have fun, <laughs> and really, you know, get to sleep until noon every day. But as uh, fate would have it, neither one of us are doing that. I know that I, for one, am busier today than I ever was when I worked full-time, and that's because there's a lot of work to do in this country. And you did the same thing. I understand you were retired for about one week, and then your wife came to you and said, nope, you've got to get to work. Uh, do I have pretty much have that correct? <laughs> well, to be honest, you have it a little backwards in the sense of uh – I'm still kind of paying the price. The uh, the short story is uh, kind of went through this process of retirement, and then the uh, Republican establishment here. I was trying to get a job, maybe working uh, under Governor Yunkin, something with uh, uh, his new governorship. And one thing led to another, and then they suggested I run for the House seat here. So I'd be pretty excited. So I said sure, and everything else you kind of said. But then I told my wife about it. But it was kind of after I had already started it, and that was a big mistake. And uh, she's forgiven me now because uh, I guess it was kind of a dream in ways. But I didn't uh, really contemplate the work involved and the effect on on her and in the family. And, and in retrospect, I, I certainly should have uh, uh, got her permission and blessing. But we're fine, and, and she's on board. But I learned a big lesson there. So it is a lot of work. I'm learning that every day. 
Well, just uh, work it out in marriage counseling, and I'm sure everything will be fine. <laughs> yeah. <but laughs> just, uh, look, I, honey, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll talk to you next time before I run for Congress, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know. When I hear that, I can't believe I did that. Some things we just do are are hard to believe that we do them. So I, I learned a big lesson there. I, I won't make that mistake again. Well, but I think you're kind of wired like me. Uh, you know, we are people of service. And, you know, as you know, I work with American Veterans Vote, uh, which is a great uh, great organization. If you're not familiar with it, check them out, avv.com. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, one of the things that they, they talk about is that after a lifetime of service, we don't have to do away with that. We just have a, a, a form of service or service in a different form. And I think that's where we are going. And that's where you're going, certainly, because it's important. You know, our nation's important to us. And we are going in a very, very dangerous direction. And, you know, people like yourself, I'm, I'm happy that we have people like you because you see this, you, you're reading the tea leaves and you're saying, hey, wait a minute, there, there's stuff that we've got to do here. So if you would, just talk to the listeners about what what motivated you to do this, other than the, the fact that the party encouraged you to do this, but there's a reason why you ha- you're involved in the whole political process to begin with. Tell us a bit about that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I've always been interested in politics. You know, my entire life, I was a political science major at Central Michigan University. I was set to begin law school at uh, Cooley there in Lansing, Michigan, and then a pilot slot opened up in the Air Force, and I jumped at that. What a a throwing opportunity, and and then I was on active duty for about eight years and uh, ended up at that point. I, I started law school at University of San Diego School of Law and uh, graduated, passed the California bar on my first attempt and uh, started to work in private practice uh, just a little bit in L.A., and uh, that didn't work out for me. I moved back down to San Diego and got back uh, into the public service sector working for Social Security and had a a 20 plus year career. But throughout that entire time, I, I followed politics closely. I took some graduate classes in political science, Arizona State, uh, San Diego State. You know, I watched CNN uh, when it was good, C-SPAN when it first came on. Uh, so I've always enjoyed politics. I worked up on the Hill uh, for a year as a fellow. Social Security sent me up there, a great experience, uh, Ways and Means, the subcommittee on Social Security. And then uh, when I retired, uh, you kind of, and it was no joke, I was talking at Twin Lakes to try to maybe be a golf marshal. I like to play golf and I thought this would be good. And, and then, you know, Joe Biden got started in, you know, the direction of the country. And I've got a, you know, a son at Robinson. Uh, well, I, I hate to say a school, but anyway, I've got a son at a local high school and another son in college. And I just look at our youth in, in the direction this government is going is just, it's so that they're taking all our freedoms away and government is just getting so big and obtrusive and, you know, we're losing our freedoms and we're, it's just, uh, to me, untenable. And then when this uh, opportunity presented itself, I said, of course, it's, uh, it's a lot of work, like I say, and I really was kind of looking forward to retirement, but I just couldn't do it. I said, I've got to step up. Uh, you know, I've public servant my whole life, just uh, about 35 years. And, and so here I am. I've got no special interest. I've got no nothing except, you know, the people in the 11th district and especially, I think, our kids in our country uh, our futures are all at stake here. Uh, when the kids graduate, they're not getting a, a stellar education anymore. They're getting indoctrination, sexualization, and uh, then they get to college, and it's even worse, and, and they're going to graduate, and our economy's in such bad straits, uh, and it's getting worse. There, there's no solutions from the current administration, the current Congress, and they're not even going to be able to get jobs. And I, I just uh, have great fear for the future for my children in our country. So that's why I'm jumping in, because uh, hopefully I can win, 
and hopefully I can affect some changes up in Congress as a Air Force officer, pilot, and then a judge. I've always been in a leadership role. I don't think Jerry Conley's done much of that uh, in his 14 years or whatever he's been up there. I've uh, lived here uh, most of the last 20 years and, and not sure of, of really what he's done up there. But I, I think we need a new direction. I think I'm the one that can do it for the people of the 11th District. And I just hope uh, Democrats, Republicans, Independents will give me a chance because uh, I'll do my best for them. That's why I'm running. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Conley has been there for quite some time. And I think 2008, I believe, is when he entered office. And it's a very, very blue section. And it, so if you will, maybe kind of run down for the listeners, um, the district itself. Describe that a bit, because it is going to be a very, very tough race because of the, the just the, the political makeup of, of the district. So if you could just kind of lay that mm-hmm. out for us. Well, there's, you know, the big the central, you've got, you know, the Fairfax, the, the city parts and, and uh, yeah, I live here in, in, in the Burke area and then you've got Reston up north is, is very Democrat in Centerville. So it's, it's got its mixes, you know, here and there. There's some uh, very uh, heavy Republican areas up in Drainsville uh, in the areas that I'll probably try to focus in and, and my support there is high, but it's definitely uh, more of a blue area. There's a lot of, of government workers, and I think historically maybe the Republican Party has really uh, turned off uh, people that work for the government. I worked for the government for uh, 20-some years, and, and, and I can understand that uh, uh, maybe saying that the government workers didn't work as hard or trying to shrink government. It's like uh, the way I look at it, everybody I worked with, uh, they worked very hard. And uh, I was always proud to be a government employee, and I think that, that I have great respect for government workers. And I think I'll bring that message, and hopefully uh, they'll give me a chance and listen to me more. Um, but the, I think in the demographics, uh, you know, the heavy uh, government worker base in uh, the higher educations uh, tend to vote Democrat. And again, the more urban areas, just like probably most areas in the country. Yeah. Um, and I really think that in the past, the things about the Republican Party that I think turned off re- the government workers, that's starting to change because having just come from the government sector myself, there are a lot of policies that the Democrats are pushing on the federal government that are a real, real turnoff for many, many government workers. And, you know, when when you talk about, uh, you know, really just issues being pushed on, you're really in a, as a government worker, you're in a, you're a captive audience. And I think the Democrats know that. And so there's a lot of social issues that are foisted upon and forced upon government employees. And that, in the last probably six to eight years, I think that's been a real turnoff. So that might be something that's turning some of those voters around. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. I mean, the whole the vaccine thing is, uh, you know, I was getting ready to retire, but I was not going to get the vaccine for a lot of reasons. And uh, I was afraid that I was maybe going to be forced out as it turned out. Uh, and I can't say that's why I retired, but it certainly, uh, you know, didn't, uh, uh, hinder my decision to go that way, but uh, I had retired before, and I'm not 100% sure where uh, where that went. I, I just think that the vaccine now has kind of lost a lot of its political focus uh, uh, in the workplace, in, in airlines, et cetera. We've all been following that, but yeah, I agree, and, and the other problem I think uh, that I felt as a federal worker, and, and again, I've always been very politically interested, is the Hatch Act kind of prevents you from really uh, participating in, in, in politics in a partisan way. And there's good reason for that. I'm not criticizing it. I, I certainly understand it and, and respect that. But it was uh, certainly hindered 
uh, a lot of us, especially I think more conservative and Republican uh, that might have been a, a minority in the federal workforce from uh, expressing our views for fear of retribution because it seemed that it was much quicker uh, prosecutions et cetera, under the Hatch Act against uh, the Republicans, but that maybe that was just my my perspective. Oh no, that was definitely my viewpoint as well. Um, if you were anti-Trump in the workplace uh, towards the end of my FBI career, it was almost a plus. And if you were pro-Trump, um, look out. <laughs> they, yeah, yeah, yeah it, that was it, that's a very very good point. The whole Hatch Act inside the federal government has been one very very one-sided. Very one-sided. But as we going through the issues, um, because those of you that have not uh, been to James's website, I would I would highly suggest that you do that. Uh, you have you have a number of issues there that are your hot button issues, not just your hot button issues, but important issues for the community. Uh, let's walk through some of those and maybe just kind of give a high level view of your approach to those views. Sure. Uh, I, I guess I start. Well, first I'll I'll give my website is Miles. Uh, for congress.com that's miles with the y for congress.com and it's also as every politician i mean campaigns cost money it's got a link to donate and it's also got links to my uh facebook account uh, twitter so please take a look at everything and get involved and get to know me better i uh, certainly uh would appreciate your support and, and you know send emails to me if you want to volunteer just let me know what's on your mind because again why i'm in this is to serve the people in the 11th congressional district republican democrat independent I'm a conservative and think those are the best policies uh, proven over time. So that's what I favor. But I'm certainly uh, willing to listen and, and certainly treat everybody with courtesy and respect in, in, in the district. That goes for me without saying. Mm-hmm. But getting back to my website, I guess the first thing that's killing all of us is this inflation. Uh, we, we all make, you know, we're one of the higher income, uh, certainly districts probably in the country. I don't know exactly where we rank now. It, it goes up and down a little bit, but I think we're all feeling the effects of inflation and the price of gas is related somewhat to energy uh, independence that we had and have lost in, uh, yeah, it costs a hundred dollars uh, to fill up your tank or close to that. You go out to eat. Uh, if you can find the groceries or the baby food or whatever you need, you're actually feeling pretty lucky on those days. And, and that's just a horrible direction. And it's just happened in the last six months or so under the direction of the Joe Biden administration and Jerry Connolly, who certainly, uh, votes with Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden all the way. He doesn't really ever lead. He just follows and he's, you know, leading us over a cliff. Not that the, I guess that's the leadership. I, I'm kind of contradicting myself there, but, but I think you get my point. But to me, those are the big uh, family issues uh, is the inflation and the energy independence. I think we all feel is, is related as those costs go up, costs for fuel. Uh, it feeds uh, the rest of, of the inflationary spiral. So we need to address address those. And I, th- I think in Congress that we can do that. I'm also concerned uh, about schools. Uh, it's less of a federal uh, issue in some ways, but uh, I, again, I have a son here and I see the indoctrination, the sexualization of our children, and it just needs to stop. Uh, fortunately, we have Governor Yunkin and uh, Elizabeth Schultz uh, has taken over. Uh, I'm not sure of her exact title. And, and I think that's a big step forward because parents are the ones that really uh, should control the education of their children in our public schools. And we've fallen away from that uh, model that was a success for so many years, and we need to get back there. Uh, I think crime, we have soft prosecutors are trying to recall the prosecutor here in Fairfax, I think for good reason, and I hope it'll be a success. Uh, but these uh, people that care more about criminals than victims, and, and it's just this whole Democratic Party mentality, this woke 
progressive left that's taking over the Democratic Party. I don't even recognize it anymore. And it's really starting to get scary, I think, for a lot of people to put uh, uh, food on the table, uh, get their children a good education so that they can uh, have a good quality life and be safe. And, and those are just basic needs that are being uh, sacrificed at the altar of this woke, liberal, progressive left. And, and there's just no common sense in our politics anymore, in our government. And, and we really need to change that. And I guess finally, I'll just mention the border, how uh, how we can just have an open border and letting in, I think, a million illegal entries, terrorists, drug traffickers, the, the fentanyl deaths in our school. The list is so long of all the problems that we are having because of these policies of Joe Biden and the woke progressive Democrats. And that includes Jerry Connolly. And it's really uh, kids are dying in high school of fentanyl overdoses and they don't seem to have any plan. And, and that really needs to change. You know, following on with the, the drug crisis, and I mentioned to you that I was on a panel last week with another congressional candidate here in Northern Virginia, and this particular candidate mentioned something that I think is very, very appropriate, and that is, you know, we have the obvious issues with the border, that being the human trafficking and, and just people coming in and taking resources um, that we don't have, and then breaking the law, et cetera, et cetera. We all, we all get that. But uh, many Americans really either don't understand or don't understand the magnitude of the drug problem. And this other candidate that I spoke with put it in a term that I had not heard it put in before, but it makes sense. And that is by having this open border, it's almost like in having chemical warfare inflicted upon the United States in that fentanyl. And I, and I heard it said that there's enough fentanyl that comes across the border every month to kill every single American listen to that enough fentanyl coming uh, across the border every month to kill every single american that's a national security issue isn't it oh i agree completely and i just don't understand why the borders are open what the what the goals of this administration is to to allow this and it's just so dangerous for all americans uh, everywhere across our country and, and it it's one of those things you wake up at night uh, or maybe it keeps you from going to sleep at night just wondering what's going on we can't uh, uh, we're not even safe in our own country anymore with these open borders. Who knows who's coming through? And there's an awful lot of people coming through. And it's, it's it really is very concerning for a lot of Americans. Yeah, I think a lot of Americans look at it as, hey, well, what's what's wrong with this? We just have people that want to come here and have a good life, you know, just like we all have in America. And and that's what they're focused on. And they don't realize that, yeah, but you, you got to understand, it's not just people looking for a good life. We have no idea who's coming across the border. Uh, anybody can come across the border. And there's a reason why we have checkpoints at airports. There's a reason why you have to go through customs at airports and ports of entry. It's because we have to know who's coming in. You do not want everyone coming into this country because not everyone is our friend. There are terrorists that come across uh, the border. And I, I really think that we're going to pay a dear, dear price for this down the road. And that's why it's important to take control of take control of this government again and put some sanity into it because it, it just seems like we're in an alternate reality right now. Uh, isn't that how you feel? Yeah, I was going to say as you were you were speaking there, I'm just thinking common sense. You're speaking common sense, and somehow there's no grasp of common sense anymore in who's running our country and who's controlling our border and just about everything else, our economy, uh, our schools. There's there's just a uh, uh, this woke progressive left has taken over the Democrats and they've taken over the party. 
and they're just on a path that just lacks common sense, I think, for most Americans. And we need to, we can agree and disagree on, you know, parties, uh, parts of policies. And uh, But I think we should all share at least some semblance of common sense in what we're doing together as Americans. And, and we've just gone away from that model. And it really is very uh, troubling to a lot of us. And I think, well, I think just understanding the country, the country's origins, its its history in the greatness that we have projected across the the globe over time has just been lost. You know, I'll, uh, I just thought of something right now and yesterday, something that bothered me quite a bit. I noticed that uh, the Biden administration has gone two years now without commemorating the D-Day invasions. You know, yes, today's the 7th of June and yesterday was the 6th. So it was the 78th anniversary of the D-Day invasions. And um, the Biden administration did not put out, Joe Biden did not give a speech. This is the second year he has not done this. I went on Facebook and I posted that. And then uh, somebody that I know on Facebook said, no, wait a minute, but General Milley was over uh, in Europe and, and gave a speech over there. And Biden put out a tweet and uh, okay, a couple of things about that. Um, the the D-Day invasion, in my opinion, does not warrant a tweet. It warrants a speech. And by the way, that tweet, when it was released, was about 9.45 p.m. last night. It was almost as if bedtime came around and somebody said, Mr. President, we have to say something about the D-Day invasion. And so a tweet was put out, and it was essentially, hey, we can't forget our veterans. Uh, you know, these people sacrificed quite a bit, and hopefully we'll live up to their uh, to the work that they did. I mean, that was, that was essentially it. Uh, that's troubling to me. And, and it's, it's a, I'm a veteran, you're a veteran. I just find that so disrespectful. There's just a general disrespect of the country and the sacrifices that many people have made for this country and for the rest of the world. Um, does that bother you? Yeah, it bothers me greatly, but I was going to ask you, were you surprised by that? No, uh, no I'm not surprised. I'm bothered. Sad? I'm bothered. I'm very sad? bothered by it. Yeah, but yeah, it wasn't surprised. And who knows how, who sent that tweet out, you know, to, to, to make a message or, or something, you have to actually appear in front of a camera. And, and I don't know, you know, I read there's a lot of people that question the competence of Joe Biden anymore. I don't really have any inside uh, knowledge or any of that, just what I read like everybody else. But but who knows why, but maybe sent the tweet. Uh, I assume he did. Uh, but I agree with you. It, it was really inadequate, uh, I think, for the event uh, that happened uh, many years ago and so many people that died. It's just uh, un-American. And what more can I say? And not only did so many people die, but on the flip side, there were so many millions of people that were liberated and have their freedom. And then their yeah. follow-on generations since that time have their freedom is a direct result of what uh, the men and women uh, of our armed forces did 78 years ago. It was a big deal. And I, I'm just, I, you know, I just get the sense that most Americans are getting a little tired of this disrespect and the dignity that, that you should have in office – and, and I'm sure that that has not escaped you, and that's that's one of the reasons why you're running, too, is just bringing dignity back to this office and putting our nation and holding up its goodness. We, we just had two years of being told about how we're not a great country. Um, law enforcement is all corrupt. All Law enforcement is bad. Every cop is a racist. 
you know, we need to dismantle our police departments. We need, you know, we need to make our military more woke, on and on and on. And I think that there's just a general feeling out there. Now, I ask you, what what is the feeling that you're hearing with the voters as you talk to them about this? I know I am getting tired of of hearing how our country is just horrible and uh, our law enforcement and military people are horrible and we need to be uh, indoctrinated with wokeism and uh, we need to do away with police and start over or not have police at all. What, what are people telling you when you go out there? Well, you know, everyone I talk to, and again, I'm, I'm mostly at this point going through the primary process, uh, speaking with generally like-minded uh, Republicans. But as I've gone out, you know, I was just back in Michigan, like I say, I think a little bit more of a Democrat and in Democrat areas uh, around here and people I talk to, I, I find that they're a lot more willing uh, to engage in a discussion. I, again, I believe as a federal judge for uh, over a decade, I learned, uh, you know, how to treat people with courtesy and respect because they deserve it. When I talk to people, I think they see in me that that I do value what they're saying and I'm listening to what they're saying and, and trying to, quote, make a judgment uh, on what they're saying, you know, and compare that to, to my beliefs. Uh, but people are really getting very disappointed uh, generally with the direction of our country. And it's really, uh, I think, reaching all quarters now, with especially the, these, they call them kitchen table issues. You can just see what this runaway spending has done to our economy. And now we're going to hit uh, a pinch, uh, essentially a recession coming up to try to correct all these problems. And yet there's no one that uh, wants to take any blame for anything. And there's no one that wants to change anything in the current administration and the, the current Democrat run Congress. And it really needs to change. And I'm hoping that I can do a, do a small part, but my part to try to make that happen for the 11th district and, and even bigger for, for Americans. Mm-hmm. And speaking to the kitchen table topics, uh, crime, and you had mentioned that, the, the spike in crime. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, and what do you plan on doing about it? Yeah, you know, so I, I actually, I kind of, I failed to mention, but I was going to mention that when you look at these policies, uh, you know, people are fleeing everywhere that has these policies. I was just listening on the radio, New York, you know, California, they're all moving down to Florida and Texas, all the red states, uh, that are run with conservative principles. And again, it's not necessarily Republicans in my view, it's conservative principles, faith, family, you know, personal responsibility, second amendment rights, pro-life, all those things I think make for a healthier society. And there's certainly people that, you know, everyone doesn't think alike. Uh, not a, you don't want everyone to think alike, but there's just a certain uh, type of a, a societal uh, framework, I think that is more successful. And that's why people are fleeing uh, these high crime and these very liberal woke Democrat states. Uh, more to your point, I think with the woke prosecutors, the first thing from my understanding is there was a lot of funding to get these people elected. Uh, they're recalling, I think, the one in Los Angeles I read, the one in San Francisco, they're trying in Fairfax. I guess to me, the other thing that I would try to uh, push forward is maybe to get rid of immunity, the qualified immunity that a lot of these woke prosecutors have. And we've talked about with police, they want to take away the immunity from police, the qualified immunity, these uh, brave men and women that are out trying to protect us uh, from harm, and, and they're trying to make their jobs uh, more difficult and their personal uh, liability uh, greater for them and, and how that would weigh on your mind. I think that's a horrible way to approach our police. We should uh, treat them with the utmost courtesy and respect and fully fund them and fully support them. And I think they should be in our schools as well. But these woke prosecutors, if they want to uh, ignore the law 
and they let these criminals loose and they hurt other people, I think these victims should be able to sue the prosecutors. And it would be, of course, of a legal standard of what, uh, if it was reckless or, or negligence. I mean, the devil is always in the details, but just uh, hold these people personally liable. The taxpayers don't pick up the tab. If they want to flaunt our laws and turn these people loose on the rest of us in our in our communities, then they're going to pay for it, uh, not the communities. And I think they'll quickly change their tone or we'll get prosecutors that honor the law and respect the law and that'll protect us. Yeah. And and speaking of, of protection, you know, we've had a, a, just a rash of, of mass shootings. And, you know, of course, this rekindles the whole gun debate. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I support the Second Amendment. I think uh, a better approach is certainly uh, in our schools. We need to use our technologies. We have a lot of great technology now as far as monitoring. And you see when these and these are horrible, horrible events. Uh, there's usually something that happened or that was ignored or there wasn't a police presence. We need to make sure that all of our schools are protected. And I also think our mental health system generally in, in, in the 11th district, I, I know in Fairfax, we've got a mental health. But I, tell, I was talking to a police officer one day at an event. I always try to, you know, talk to the police. They have so, they do so much for us. And, and he was telling me about when people are having like mental health issues, serious ones, uh, often they have to stay with the police. Uh, for a day or sometimes even longer, it ties up the police officer until a bed becomes available for an inpatient psychiatric care or treatment. And I think we need to put our resources uh, back into protecting and helping the people that are seriously mentally ill. It's, it, it's an illness and it's real. And I think that we're just turning a lot of people out into a society. And I think that's what you see in San Francisco and LA. Again, I don't live there anymore. I've lived in both places for a while that are just not mentally uh, capable. And a lot of them, of course, are drug users. And, and then you look at the fentanyl deaths in our high school. Anyway, it's just not a pretty picture. Uh, but I think uh, we need to protect our schools and we need to improve our mental health in all of our communities because anyone that's mentally ill, we need to help them, not, uh, not lock them up or leave them out in the street. I, I think as a, a society, we, we need to show compassion and empathy for them and try to help them out as best we can. You know what? Along those lines, and I agree with you wholeheartedly, and I want to dig into this subject a little bit because it really is something that ties into the gun question, into the mass shootings, uh, arrest, tying up the police, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's a very important issue because you are right. We went through this period about a year ago where we talked about having social workers go out with police officers. I, I was a police officer. I can tell you that's a really bad idea. That's a that's a good way to get a lot of social workers hurt. Um, if you don't believe me, go spend a night with uh, the police department, and I think you'll come to the conclusion real quick that that's not a good idea. However, what I do think is a good idea, and we'll run this by you, is you know having people much like myself who were in law enforcement, but in law enforcement then started doing a lot of work, counseling work, and training um, along with being a police officer, and that's that's towards the end of my career. That's I did a lot of that, and I also am uh, working towards becoming a licensed counselor now. Um, we could do a lot of training with our police officers, much more training on the mental health side and addiction. Uh, addiction goes uh, almost hand-in-hand hand with mental health issues, and the same type of thing applies. You know, having more education police op for police officers on um, what addiction is, the progression disease model of addiction, and resources to help people get help because you know many of the people that are committing crimes are people with pretty serious addiction issues and they need help and most cops i know when i was a cop we were all 
keenly aware of that, that many of the people that we were dealing with really needed to be in some sort of treatment or needed to be in some sort of a hospital, but uh, they we didn't have that option. The only option, because in, as a nation, we've really done away with the institutions um, uh, where, where people used to be placed uh, if for mental health. Now, your only option is to take them off the street and put them in jail. And sometimes that's not only in the best interest of the community, but it's in that person's best interest that they be taken off the street. Because many of these people, in fact, are uh, a harm, they're harmful to themselves. And, uh, you know, so for some people that are, are homeless and, and um, you know, we're in the middle of winter and it becomes unsafe for them to be there. I, I knew a lot of people that wanted to be arrested just so they could be taken off the street and put into someplace warm and they could eat. And that's that's not, we don't need that. We, we need to have more options available to our police. And uh, I know that that's something that I, I advocate for. Um, so your thoughts on that? Yeah, I guess two thoughts. I guess the first thing I just talked for at some length, a, a friend, someone I know I was a Detroit police officer for, for years and just uh, moved to another area and the police officer there. And he just kind of related to me. We talked because uh, you know, I'm very interested now that I'm running and, and kind of the, my walk away from there is just kind of a small group. And you're a police officer, you know, it's, it's a small group of the same people and the same problems. Uh, you know, once you're a police officer in a certain area, uh, you kind of get to know these these people and their problems. And if there's some kind of, you know, mechanism there to, to help them. And and without that, it's just kind of a revolving door cycle. And and unfortunately we've seen with violence, it's still a revolving door cycle, which Mm -hmm. is bad uh, for all of our communities. And and we don't want to see that. But I guess the other thing I was thinking is maybe within the police departments, they could, I mean, they've got special units. And again, I'm not a police officer and I don't know a whole lot about it, but maybe they could have a special unit with a focus in, in counseling or dealing with, uh, you know, drug addictions and things like that. There are police officers. Maybe there could be extra funding, federal funding. Maybe they could get paid a little bit more for taking on additional responsibilities, requiring additional training, education. Again, I'm talking a little bit off the cuff here, which I know is dangerous, but it just seems to me that uh, maybe that would be uh, something to have uh, an agency or a department maybe within in the police department itself that would focus in those areas. But again, it needs community support. It's not mm-hmm. for the police to deal with this, that maybe they could help, but the community needs to stand up and help the people that are mentally ill. And that takes conviction and it takes resources and I agree, it just seems like in the last decade, and I'm not going to throw any blame on any particular political parties or, or any of that, but a lot of mentally ill uh, people are just back out in the streets, and, and they've just been, I think, just left out there for, for whatever reasons, I'm not sure. Yeah, no, and I apologize for putting you uh, on the spot and have you talk off the cuff. That wasn't even really my intention, <laughs> but but you know yeah. what? I, I love the brainstorming, because I'll be honest with you, I, I agree with you 100%. I mean... After all, with the mass shootings that have occurred over the last few weeks, you know, there's been this talk of, hey, we've got all these retired military and police officers who've had all this training, years of training, and now they're retired. And why can't we bring some of these people back and put them in schools? But likewise, again, I'll just use myself as an example. Uh, years of corrections, police, FBI training, just a ton of experience. And now I'm a, uh, training to become a licensed counselor, I, you know, but I'm not working in law. You know, I, what good am I to that community? I'm not, I'm not working in that field anymore, but I'm still relatively young. And if you had myself and, and other people with that kind of training, um, imagine if we were in a unit in a police department where 
you know, it's kind of a hybrid. You know, I've got all this law enforcement experience, and so it's a bit mm-hmm. safer for me to work with these people than, you know, a social worker that just came out of college. But yet I have much, if not all, of the same training that they have and the police training. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we had units like that and encourage departments to have that, that would be the answer. Because after all, we need to find solutions, and we need to find solutions to these problems. But the problem is we, we've become sort of a, in this Twitter culture and Facebook culture and, um, you know, online culture, every single person in America has a, not only an opinion, but a strong opinion about how to handle these things, but very few of them have any experience actually doing it. But, you know, having um, committees of people and, and God willing, you get elected, you know, actually sitting down with uh, people that have done this job, meaning the police job, and say, hey, how how do you guys think we, do we agree that this is an issue that needs to be dealt with? And how how could we together solve this? So, Well, that's what leadership is all about, yeah. and I don't think we're seeing that in our current, uh, at least uh, in the 11th Congressional District. I haven't seen much leadership on uh, any of the problems that we're having with inflation and crime in our schools. There's just uh, no leadership uh, that I'm seeing from Jerry Connolly in, in, in our district, and, and I think that uh, as a former Air Force officer and again judge that I have the the leadership I have the desire to lead and to get things done and you and I just talking here like you said the brainstorming yeah might be a really good idea to have a a dedicated department and they would understand and they would be trained to deal with this and in I'm sure in your experience you see a a lot of situations that are, are resolved quickly because of a certain expertise where if the expertise isn't there that maybe things uh, go in a different direction. So, mm-hmm. uh, but the big thing is you got to take a, you know, a chance to stand up for things and, and, and take a leadership role. And, and I think that's what I'd bring to the 11th district. If they choose me to be their representative, uh, I won't just stand by and let things happen. I'm going to do my very best to take the lead and make things happen well for all of us. Oh, that's exciting. So we, uh, November, November 8th is the election, correct? Yes, huh? Wow. Uh, it seems like a long way away, but it's really not. It'll be here before yeah. you know it. And w- so what are we looking at uh, between now and then? Um, what's sort of your, your plan as far as getting out, meeting the public, uh, campaigning? Uh, are there mm-hmm. any debates scheduled? Uh, anything? Um, w- w- kind of walk us through what the plan is between now and November. Sure. It's, it's a very exciting time. Uh, the big thing is fundraising right now because, uh, I mean, Jerry Connolly's got a, a lot of money. He's been uh, an incumbent, a longtime incumbent. That's a huge advantage. And in federal election years, fundraising is a little bit more difficult, I think, because of some of the rules and the inflation, I think, is, uh, uh, you know, not helping uh, fundraising efforts either. So we, we're doing a lot of fundraisers like meet and greets uh, at people's homes. And I think we're going to have a major event, hopefully here in, Oct- in August, that we're finishing up uh, some of the details and, and hopefully that'll uh, will come out soon. Uh, more on a practical note, uh, when, when I entered this race, like I said, it wasn't my plan and uh, it just was kind of presented. So it was my, my, my good friend, uh, a mortgage uh, banker, a broker here, and it was him and I, and I had another good friend, lifelong friend was my treasurer, a CPA. He was a Army Customs Auditor for 30 years, and he had just retired, and I asked him to help me out, and uh, he does all the FEC filings and makes sure that we do everything uh, in accordance with all the campaign laws, a huge help, but now things have changed a little bit, and uh, we have a bigger uh, group of people that we need to appeal to to present our case to. I, I want them to see who I am and what I am and what I stand for, 
and I have to get that message out to them, and, and, and that takes money and it takes expertise that, uh, quite frankly, my very limited staff uh, just doesn't possess. So we're at this point reaching out uh, to get some consultants, uh, campaign managers in the 11th Congressional District here. Mike Ginsburg is the uh, the recently uh, elected uh, chair, and he's been a huge help in, in the Fairfax County GOP uh, everyone is kind of stepping up to help us out and we're just getting things in order. And I expect within a, a couple of weeks here, uh, we'll be ready to start getting our, our printings done and our, our palm cards. And those of you that are in the political uh, world, you know what I'm talking about, buttons, bumper stickers uh, to get the message out in, uh, we'll start to get digital exposure. We're working on that. We're finalizing that. That's probably going to start in the next couple of days because mm-hmm. uh, the big thing for me at this point, getting in so late because of the Hatch Act, people don't know who Jim Miles is and people don't know what Jim Miles stands for. And I need to get that out to people so that they can see who I am and to repeat myself again what I stand for. Because when I talk to people, again, the common sense, we share so many similarities. We want our children to have a quality education and we want them to leave a, a good life. And they're not getting that right now in the school systems here. And I think that needs to change and we have to get the inflation under control because it's just saddling us with our our IRAs are all being diminished every day with this inflation rate and the enormous debt with this reckless spending that we're giving our kids and grandkids. Everything just is is gone. Uh, Again, the big government in uh, just the loss of freedom is just very troubling and we need to uh, get back to common sense principles. And I think Republicans, Democrats, independents, we should all be able to agree on common sense principles. And that's what I stand for. And I hope that I'll be able to get that message out to the voters in the 11th Congressional District. And if they'll give me a chance here in November uh, to represent them and try to turn uh, turn this ship around and, and get things back under control so we're all safe and and we can get gas for $2 and some change a gallon instead of 5 or $6, which is where we're going to be before anyone knows it. We, uh, we went over five, I think, today or yesterday. Yeah, yeah I paid. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's not going to go down. Not, uh, not with Joe Biden and Jerry Connolly in power. No. Uh, in fact, I, I heard a report yesterday that uh, the economists are saying they actually see no, absolutely no slowdown at all. And we went over. I believe it was yesterday. We officially yeah. went over here in Northern Virginia the five dollar mark. Well, if Unbelievable. You read, and I'm sure you do. I mean, this has been planned. They uh, listening, and again, I'm not saying that I'm an expert on this, but back in the Biden days when the, you know, the, uh, I forget it was the, the energy department or, or I forget the position that, that that was their goal was to get, you know, to the five or $6 a gallon gas for, you know, their green revolution or, or this was kind of their plan. So they're just running with their playbook and, and who's left to suffer is those of us that, uh, you know, are not rich, that we don't have the, the electric cars, uh, not that those are, are, are worth much anyway from, from what I read and see, but People that work for a living, it's just taking so much of their money. The quality of life is just really dropping so quickly here. Even the 11th district, uh, yeah. like I said, we're very well off compared to a lot of district, but it's getting to be paying $5 a gallon for gas, $6 a gallon, $100 a week for fuel. And I can't even imagine if you're you know, driving a taxi or or even an Uber. Uh, that's just got to take a huge Well, hit. it's not to mention um, not just your gas, but because the gas is more expensive, diesel is more expensive, it drives up the cost of everything. Uh, th- this is a small thing, but it's a sign of things to come. I, I was going to go get my hair cut last week, and the lady that cuts my hair just raised uh, in one week $5. $5 yeah. It went up $5 just in one week, and I said, what, what's that all about? And she said, hey, you know, I 
it costs me more to run my business, so I've got to raise all my prices. You know, that's just one area. That's just getting a haircut, but that's going to yeah, happen well, just, in everything. Yeah, have, you, yeah, have you renewed your uh, car insurance? I just renewed my car insurance. It went up 30%. I said, I haven't had any kind of accidents or anything. And they said, well, mm-hmm. that's just, you put it, you know, this into the computer and that's what the price is. It's like, how do you argue with that? My house insurance just went up about 30%. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure everyone out in the 11th district is seeing that. This is just a, a product of reckless government spending. It's just out of control and, and uh, it just needs to be uh, uh, reined in and we need to get this uh, under control. Otherwise, we're all just going to continue to suffer. Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, I, I am, am excited for you. I know it's a lot of work and I just have my hats off to you for putting your your you know your name in the ring there and doing it because you know this this is leadership. We can all sit back and complain about what's happening and that's what a lot of Americans are doing rightly so, rightly so complaining about it, but mm-hmm. you're doing something about it and you're putting yourself out there. You're getting in the ring is uh, Theodore Roosevelt. You said, man in the ring. You got in, in the ring, and uh, we're with you along the way. A lot of people are going to be rooting for you. We're certainly rooting for you here on the Mark Vine Show. And uh, it's really been nice to get to know you. And and I hope that we have you on the show again as we progress through this campaign and get updates and uh, have discussions about, you know, any of the, whatever the hot topics are. And who knows what will happen in the world between now and November. Uh, you know, in the political world, things happen overnight. So uh, we'd love to have you back on the show to talk about those issues. That'd be great. And can I just uh, drop again against milesforcongress.com? That's milesforcongress.com, miles with a Y. And again, that's got uh, donation uh, information, my uh, issues. And, and of course, please uh, feel free to, to send me what you're thinking, because I really like to, to hear what's important to those of you out in the 11th Congressional District, Republican, Democrat, Independent, uh, you know, if you elect me, I represent all of you and I'll do my best for you. And I'll certainly always treat you with courtesy and respect. Uh, cause as a judge, that's what I've been trained for years to do. And I'll certainly, uh, continue to do that. Yeah. Outstanding. And please do contribute any little bit helps any little bit helps you know don't think that you have to give a big donation but any little bit helps and uh as we progress get out and see jim um he's going to be doing events all over northern virginia um adding to the website on on facebook and and on this show and uh if this is something that you like to hear you know that what you've heard from him today take this podcast and send it to everybody that you know just to get the message out because i think this podcast that you did with us today you kind of gave us a really good high level view of where you come from and i and i like where you stand and and there's there's not one principle that you just talked about that would not improve mm-hmm. our country uh in one well, form I, say, or another. I, I love america i've served america for 30 years, 35 years in many different capacities, and I want to serve America as a, a, a House member and represent the 11th Congressional District, and, and I hope that, that the voters will give me that chance, uh, and we will see what happens, but uh, I love this country, and I'll continue to do everything I can to support it. Outstanding. Thank you again for coming on the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed our discussion today. Take care, and folks, once again, this is Mark Vines, and this is the Mark Vines Show. You know, Put this out there. Get this information out to as many people as you can. We can take this country back, and we will take this country back, but we can't do it without your help. Get involved. That's one of the problems that we have in this country is so few people are involved in the political process, but you have to do politics or it's going to do you. It absolutely will, and we are seeing that now, but there are people coming up, uh, stepping up to the plate trying to get this country back on track again because we can do that. This is our country, folks. 
you know what? You know, we get the country that we deserve. And uh, you have to participate to change this around, and we can do this between now and November. So you guys take care of yourselves, and we will be talking with you next time. Again, this is Mark Vines, the Mark Vines Show. Take care of yourself. See you soon. Are you still there?